Hi, everyone, and thank you so much for joining me on the We Thrive podcast. My name is Casey Clark. I'm your host as well as the Chief Growth Officer and Founder of C. Clark Consulting. And today I have the pleasure of interviewing Mr. Richard Blank, who is the CEO of Costa Rica's Call Center, another C3 company. <laughs> so thank you so much for joining us today. And I'd love to hear a little bit more about you. Casey, thank you so much. And it's a pleasure to be here. And as I mentioned before, I, I enjoy your work and it inspired me enough to reach out to you. And this is where we are today. So, so happy to spend time with you and your amazing audience. Thank you. So tell us a little bit about how you got started in your business. Actually, I prepared for starting this business. It, it started back in Northeast Philadelphia when I graduated Abington High School in 1991. I, I decided to be a Spanish major at the University of Arizona and a communication major. So I, I didn't follow in certain footsteps of, let's say, law and medicine engineering and architecture, a lot of the times you may feel pressure, Casey, in regards to certain opinions and predestined careers. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I was more of a dreamer. I was 18. I didn't know what I wanted to do. But this is what I did know, that by speaking other languages could open doors and make me marketable. So during college, I interned for Telemundo for a couple of years in promotions and public relations. Post-grad, I was able to land a job at the importers of Corona. So Casey, I've always had fun jobs, but it always involved Spanish. And so I was able to be a bridge. And then when I was 27 years old, a very good friend of mine offered me an opportunity to move to Costa Rica for just a couple months, just to teach English at his call center. And I decided to take that one in a million chance. And when I was here, I fell in love with the country and I fell in love with the industry. And I also realized that I had an opportunity. And so two months turned into four years working with my friend. And while I was there, Casey, because you are doing consulting, you always look for ways to enhance an experience. I, I just wasn't looking for it for just the client. Really, by working in a call center, sitting in the rows with 24-year-old Costa Rican Ticos, I got to understand the enhancement of the agent. And so by being there was really my graduate school. I, I could see the ups and the downs, the gripes and the easy times, but I learned the business from the inside out. And then to answer your question, when I was in my mid thirties, I felt I had enough money saved to take off a year and try to build a business, but it's really about maturity and about impulse control. And as much as I wish I was a teenage, you know, whiz kid or a genius 20 year old kind of took me to my thirties. Casey to realize that I was ready to take this sort of responsibility. And, and I also felt that I was ready for it. I, I had the earnings potential and I knew it was time. Awesome. So I have to ask out of all the languages, why Spanish? Well, when I was growing up, my parents during the winter time used to take me down to Acapulco and to Puerto Vallarta on vacation. And so from there, I, gravitated towards just the simple vocabulary of let's just say what the fruits were or certain signs and what it meant. And it was easy for me for the retention. You know, once again, when you see things multiple times, it, it sticks. But when I was trying to speak Spanish, and this is an eight-year-old butcher, you know, butchered uh, grammar, these sort of responses that I got and the smiles that I got, and this is at a very impressionable stage. Yeah. Instead of sitting on the ground and playing with matchbox cars, I was trying to speak to the cab <laughs> driver, the guy on the 
beach selling jewelry and asking questions. Como se dice KSS. So I, I learned that. Yeah. And I loved it. And I thought it was fascinating. And I realized that it was an excellent way to understand different cultures. And so being in Philadelphia, there's a very large Puerto Rican population. I was at my high school. We also had Venezuelans and, and uh, Cubans and Colombians. And so there was a certain percentage at my public high school that was just a mixture. And so since we all were friends together, it just allowed me a chance just to understand a little bit more and to test the waters if this is something I'd like to invest my time in. Mm -hmm. Now, in the United States, not saying German or French or Chinese is prominent, but when I was in high school, it was just French, German, or Spanish. Yeah. And I realized that I probably had the best chance of practicing if I took Spanish. And then leaving Philadelphia and going to Arizona, I wanted better weather and Spanish is everywhere. So it was <laughs> almost the... Uh, and also, Casey, I spent my junior year abroad. I was fortunate enough to take my junior year and I lived in Spain. I did it for two, I did it for two semesters. So I stayed over the Christmas break and I didn't come home. I traveled for two months with a backpack back in the, um, the fall of 93. So imagine just calling your mom once a week just to make sure you're doing okay. I'm but, alive. Um, <laughs> I had my vision quest. I had my walkabout. As a 21-year-old man, I traveled as far east as Prague, as far north as Amsterdam, as far south as Corfu, Greece, and I also went to Tangier, Morocco. So imagine having 30 to 45 to 10-minute conversations a day with amazing people. And you know what it taught me, Casey, that all the things that we hold so dear and in such high esteem in certain areas of the world really don't have value somewhere else. They just pretty much judge you on your essence. And so that was an incredible coming of age moment for me mm -hmm. where instead of rushing to the bars or to the party i could always go to that in an hour why don't you and i casey go to the museum first and see some amazing paintings and then we'll meet you at the party so yeah. i always try to in regards to my humanities and to grow uh to cultivate and educate myself while i was there Awesome. I love that. So you have me completely curious now. What exactly does the word thrive mean to you? Because you have quite the background. <laughs> it's really not about me, my friend. It's really about the others. It's the positive reinforcement that I get. So I could think that I'm the greatest and I'm the one man party and show and I'm the king of the castle. But if nobody shows up for my birthday party at Chuck E. Cheese, I have no friends. <laughs> and so for me, being in business for 14 years, it's not about how smart I am or how mm -hmm. clever I am. It's about the foundation of the people that come back here every day to work with me. Mm -hmm. And so thriving for me is when people say good morning, jefe, or they become supervisors, or they've been with me for a year, five, 10 years. Mm -hmm. Or I get a written letter from a client telling me how amazing my organization is. And so I feed off of the responses of others. Now, I'm only human. Not everybody wants to do business in Costa Rica with my company, or I might not be the certain taste for people. I'm the sweetest peach. Some people don't like peaches. But um, <laughs> the most important thing, as I mentioned before, is that my intentions are honorable. And I'm doing things with good faith. And if I can stay on that sort of straight line, I, I believe that the sort of circle that will come back will always be positive. And, and I will continue to thrive, Casey. Awesome. I love that. The giver's gain. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> All day long, candy giving. <laughs> so what obstacles have you personally or professionally had to overcome when you've been trying to, you know, help others and thrive yourself? Of course, and, and, and it's no one's fault, but some of the gray believers and the Debbie Downers and the negative Nancys, those sometimes are your family, your best friends, your partner, and people that really, really, really care about you. Mm -hmm. It's almost like a parent telling you not to go on the roller coaster. They're trying to protect you, but they're holding you back from having an amazing life experience and, and growing. Yeah. Since most of my friends had different paths, I couldn't compare notes. And since my parents had certain expectations for me, which was fine, you know, finance and economics and going to Ivy League, maybe Casey, I was the black sheep of my family. Not that I was breaking windows and being a rebel, but I had this sort of intuition. I had this sort of sixth sense that might be from my past lives or the future life, but telling me, Richard, this is natural. Follow through it. You're going to do just fine. Yeah. So it was really about my own self-confidence and my own self-reliance when most people would say N-O-K-C, but it's really that they don't K-N-O-W. Enough about what I'm trying to explain to them. So why doesn't everybody calm down for a minute? You never did a call center, you never learned Spanish, and you never moved abroad. What sort of advice can you give me? Instead of advice, why don't you just put wind in my cells and just say, go, Richard, go. That's all yeah. I want you to do. I love that. Yeah. And I can absolutely relate. I mean, I'm the first entrepreneur in my family, the first person to, you know, go through college. And it's hard when, you know, you have those people who are used to the, you know, seven to three job or the nine to five. Oh, you go work for a company, you get a pension and retire. And I'm just like, no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> so I definitely can understand what you mean by all that. So. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. So, so what are some of the resources that uh, you've used when you have been trying to thrive? And earlier you had mentioned that uh, you kind of had this intuition within you and you just listened to it and followed it. Um, so talk to me a little bit more about that and then some other resources that kind of helped you continue your path. Okay, let's go first into the spirituality on what guided me here. And then I can also give you what has reinforced my thriving. I think it's imperative to have me time. I really do. And, and I'm not focused enough or, or disciplined enough to do Eastern meditation practices. I respect it. I, I listen to Alan Watts and other philosophers, but I just don't have that sort of discipline. But this is what I do have. I have structure. And so what I enjoy doing every morning is getting up at 5.30 and working out for a few hours in my home gym. And that, when I put the phone away, it allows me to decompress any sort of stimulation from work or distractions, yes. allows my mind to wander, which I consider image streaming. And then it enables me to prioritize and to organize my thoughts. I, I do it in the gym. I do it on Sundays when I'm washing the convertible. And I know you don't know this about me, Casey, but my work environment here, I'm very big into gamification. So I collect antique jukeboxes, pinball machines, and retro arcade machines. So I see. <laughs> I do Sunday afternoon pinball marathons. And so when, I, when I'm doing that, it really allows me to reinforce why I work so hard to have these toys and to mm -hmm. restore them. So 
a lot of that is just a circle for myself to respect myself, respect my time. I need to have that sort of balance and, and that cooling off period. And it's not a lot of time. It could be 20 minutes here or an hour there, but it needs to be done for resetting. That's the first thing. Now, the resource that I have in order to thrive, it's the people around me. It's the empathy. It's the compassion that I have with those with whom I'm working. It's okay. the fact that when they come in here, and it's their first day. Class doesn't start at 7 a.m. It starts at 7.30 because we're in the game room for half an hour having a good time together. We we start our day with recess. Okay, so oh, that's I love what it. we do. And the second thing is I'm going to know your name. So I'll give you the dignity. And a lot of the agents will tell me, Richard, you're the first boss that ever knew my name. And I said, unfortunately, that's true. And it, I might be the last. But at least while you're with me, I will know your name. And also, and also, since English is their second language, and it's okay that they have a slight accent. To me, Casey, it bears the mark of higher education. I, I really insist on the thesaurus because I want them to properly express themselves. And so there are certain words that can produce um, a negative trigger, a rabbit hole, or an, or an ego defense. And so by using strategic words like guiding, assist, and lending a hand versus helping, and instead of saying, excuse me, can you repeat that? It's more, Casey, for my clarification. These are some strategic, diplomatic, and very choice structured conversations where we can really prolong conversations, increase conversion ratios. And, and not only that, increase the fulfillment of the agent's job. Casey, this is a very strict Catholic country. And as much as I want to fulfill the need of the agent, it's really more for or for the client. It's really more for the agent where mm -hmm. they have to go home and tell their parents what they do for a living. Yeah. And so we're, we're very selective of the campaigns that come in here. I, I turn down more than I accept. It goes both ways. Amazon is here and other large call centers like HP and Intel. So, so you and I, Casey, compete. But what would separate you and me from the big boys? Well, how we treat them how we break bread with them, how we walk the rows and we invest in them. And we give them that sort of confidence and self-reassurance so they can conquer any sort of challenges that they have outside of the office. And I know this sounded like a very long answer because your questions are very philosophical. That's why I love your podcast. You just can't really give a black or white answer. It, no. it becomes, it's like a tree. You're giving me branches and roots on every answer. And so please just, just follow me along with my passion and sincerity. Even though I'm going off on tangents, you have to see the little bit of, of that I'm giving you on each section because there's so much to talk about. But yeah. the majority of it encompasses the relationship that I have with those that work with me. And my main goal, my friend, is to promote you. That's what I want to do. That's thriving is that your plant grows. I'm grown. I'm cool. <laughs> you need to grow with me. And it's not hitting the ball and dragging Johnny. I'm not going to do that. I'm from Philadelphia. What I want to do is bend you, but I'm not going to break you. Mm -hmm. And I want you to not be, Casey, to not be just a print, but to be a painting, to not be a character, but to be in character, still have the raw essence that got you into doing this in the first place. Yeah. And I think that, you know, you, well, you have mentioned being very strategic with your words, but I even picked up on the fact that you say the people that work with me, not the people that work for me. 
And that goes so, so far. And I mean, that's one of the small strategic things that I put in place myself. It It's never, you know, oh, that's my employee or whatever. And mm -hmm. I always say, you know, a team member, a colleague, whatever. I just feel it goes back to that dignity. And, you know, without them, I couldn't do everything that I do. And I'm sure you feel the same way. 100%. I believe in synergy, just yeah. like you do. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So speaking of synergy and working with others, talk to me a little bit about legacy. I'm I'm eager to hear what you have to say. So what do you think that word means and how are you creating a legacy for yourself? I believe that imitation is the best form of flattery besides imitating my Philly accent, which is one thing and I'll excuse you for it. If I can pass along, certain soft skills or certain ways to run a company and the sort of company culture that I've created here, then I've created that sort of legacy. I, where people can pass along the wisdom over a fireside chat. Mm -hmm. That would be my legacy, not written. I'd prefer that someone speaks my actions if they want to embellish it, God bless you. That's amazing. Give me 55 big arms and I can breathe fire. But um, I want them to always keep the consistent theme. And that's the fact that I moved to this country. I'm a guest in this country. I took the time to learn the language, understand the culture and tradition so I could be embraced. Mm -hmm. The fact that I've been here since I was 27 and started my business 14 years ago it's not for everybody and it's a different path, but the end result is happy. I won. The fact that I'm here today speaking with you and your amazing audience and sharing this story of hard work and grit. And, and Casey, you and I are making it look easy. I mean, look at all the books behind you. I know you read each one. Of course you did. And so the most important thing is what happens off the camera. Mm -hmm. And the sort of dedicated practice you and I have done to prepare ourselves, not just for your podcast today, but for life. It's not easy. You have to stick with it. There's many ways to make excuses, but really at the end of the day, you got to look at yourself in the mirror and you can't really spin it. Yeah. And that would be my legacy just by showing the example and not cutting the corners. I, there are certain times I've been lucky and the stars were aligned and I got the breaks. But if somebody really just wants to peel back, this story is just about old school, the way my grandparents taught me. You don't buy it unless you can pay for it and you show up on time, you do what you need to do. There's no surprises, Casey, with the clients. You might think that we have the best relationship because all we're doing is batting a thousand. Not really. The best relationships are built is when there's an issue. You make a suggestion, you come to them immediately and you solve it. And that's when they know that you have a solidified relationship. Mm -hmm. It's when you cover it up, avoid it. Um, you try to avoid talking, you know, in a certain way to, to give that sort of advice. That's, that's when you start having trouble. Yeah. And so it's not really matured. It's just about relationship building and about expectations. Yeah, absolutely. So with, you have mentioned the books and I'm curious. So, you know, when we're not, in front of people and things of that nature. Um, what, see, for me, I could go like all over the place because 
I love to read and I used to hate reading, but yeah. what do you think is like the most important topic to read about as an entrepreneur? It's a wonderful question. There's so much out there for me personally. I I've dabbled in your self helps and motivational books, but I I'm more into biographies or certain sort of stories of a coming of age or my favorite book of all time was a gift that was given to me. It's from Harvey Allen. It's called Anthony Adverse. It was written in the 1930s. It's a very big, fat, long book. What is but it? Anthony Adverse. And they okay. made a movie about it as well from Harvey Allen. And so it was something that I never expected to read. But when I was in Spain, a very good friend of mine gave it to me. So when I was on the trains, I would pull out a few pages here and there. But it was it was really about a wonderful story about a dreamer that lived and since it's very long a full life i mean you really go through the whole book but it changed me a little bit it was the discipline of reading a book that was so many pages but also i resonate towards this main character that was finding himself and needed others where casey success is built on a million thank yous and i'd be very foolish to think i did this on my own and so anybody that's added wind to my sales and that has assisted me along the way or instead of giving money back and forth, we share ideas yeah. to enhance each other's lives. That's what I got out of that book because there were so many different characters that helped this individual along the way. And, and also it's a nice love story too. He fell in love with this, with Angela. And with me, I, I moved to Costa Rica and I met my wife 22 years ago and she and I built this business together. That's and awesome. so in a machismo country, you have a woman that is a, also a CEO and a government representative of our organization here. And also we look for people for merit. And so most of my supervisors are women here. And so I give everybody a fair shake, but it just so happens that I guess cream rises to the top. And we always look for the best individuals that could represent the clients in the best light. And, um, but that's, that's pretty much that. It's just really keeping an open mind for just anything. Yeah. And I think that kind of goes into saying, you know, you can learn anything from anyone and it doesn't matter where they come from. I mean, I'm sure as you traveled abroad, you learned a ton of different things, you know, from the short conversations that you were having along the way. But yeah. uh, I truly, truly believe that you can learn anything. And I love that you said a business is built on, was it a thousand thank yous? Success is built on one million, thank you. One million, okay. Not easy. You gotta really dig and work for it, Casey. But, uh, <laughs> but it will come, and, and even me mentioning my full circle with where I started at Abington High School, I, I got a college recommendation from the principal, and my grades were not that good. I got it from the principal and the Spanish teacher that really got me into college. And so I, I, I love paying it forward. I, I have a second language scholarship there that I've done for the past six years. Nice. And so a senior that is graduating, it's not sports or, or you know, band and music, which there's nothing wrong with that. But Abington never had a second language scholarship before. And so anyone that really takes the time to do that, it's my pleasure to, play, to pay for their books freshman year. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. I love that. And kudos to you. I mean, I took up to Spanish three in high school and Spanish three was a struggle. I, I did fine in one and two, but three was a struggle, but I love, you know, learning about the different cultures and things of that nature. So um, I think that's awesome that you just really jumped in and immersed yourself. I had no choice. I wasn't smart enough for law school or, 
for medicine. I have charms and good looks. You throw Spanish <laughs> in, you could you could market me. <laughs> That's all I had going for me. Oh my, too funny. <laughs> so for those who don't have charming good looks, what other nuggets do you think that they need, uh, you know, if they're trying to start a business or just trying to thrive? I'm not going to lecture, but I will give a point. I think people need to save their money. And I was able to weather some storms in a, a couple of times. I was able to build my own building, so I saved enough for that. And also in 2010, I went from 89 to four seats. So thankfully, I, I saved enough to be able to build my business back from there. Mm -hmm. I don't want you to not have a good time and celebrate, but be very, very, very conservative. A run is a run. You just don't know how long it's going to last. Yeah. And so for me, once again, I did certain things where I was able to sleep at night and not take out a loan, not take out a mortgage. And if something happens to happen for your business, once again, you were responsible enough to be able to weather the ups and the downs. And not saying I thought of that on my own, but I'm really listening to the great grandparents and grandparents stories of the depression and how both sets on both sides of my family were entrepreneurs from Europe that came in and were doing uh, you know, clothes and also selling door-to-door -door kitchen items. And I give them credit doing this in the 20s, 30s, 40s. And it was pretty cool. And so I think I have that in my blood. And so the things that they pass down from generation to generation is if you do do your own business, the, it's like going into the spooky cave. No one else wants to go in it. But if you do, the, all the riches are yours. And sometimes you can take these chances and especially take them on yourself. Yeah. And I also believe in momentum, Casey, that if something is happening, it can snowball into positive things. And I also believe that if you start having bad habits, that's the easy way out. And then that could also escalate to other things. Explain. How do you... I'm curious. That was a very deep statement that you said, though. So can you give a simple one? Let's just say hypothetically, I have an amazing Asian that's having a tough day on the phone. They're not cursing. They're not doing anything to get fired through the labor laws. But they're off. Mm -hmm. I could embarrass them. I could lecture them. I could yell at them because they're not making 10 calls an hour. Or we could take a serious time out. We could stand up, go to my office with a supervisor, have some coffee and cookies. You want to play some asteroids or pinball, we'll go downstairs. But we'll listen for a minute. I'm not prying, but I know things happen outside the office. But, but let's just say we find a happy medium there. I will also let them know that they are being out of character and that they're better than that. And I will toughen them up. This is a 15-rounder. You're not thrown in the white towel. And I'm not asking you to get beat up. But I want you to get your balance again. Put some water on your face. Let you know that there are people here that support you. You have two children that you're raising. And you have your grandparents that you're supporting. Yeah. And, and so as long as we can become grounded at that moment, then those are the sort of things that I'm handling properly. I'm in a position of leverage. I could make you or break you. Either I could hire you or fire you. Ooh, you want to play that game? Ooh. Yeah. I don't like things like that. I'm just a man. And as I said before, I respect where they're coming from because I was in those shoes one day. And thankfully for me, the majority of my bosses and mentors encouraged me and invested in me. Mm -hmm. And once again, 
I'm paying that forward. So bad habits is playing big shot. Bad habits is dropping an F-bomb, firing somebody and having them do the walk of shame off the floor. Why? Where are you going with that? Yeah. That's a terrible thing to do. And, and that's just one of so many examples. that. I, and also another one I'm going to throw back into the game room. So uh, instead of having a meeting, Casey, where I bring you in and make you feel bad, why don't we take a recess downstairs? Let's get on the Pac-Man machine. Let's play some pinball. Five minutes later, you've let off some steam. You've mm -hmm. recharged some batteries. You're saying, thank you, Hefe. Thank you. You don't need to thank me. Thank you for allowing me to get you off the floor for a minute away from everybody so you could calm down and reset yourself. Yeah. That's, That's all. And then let's go back up, champ. Let's do what we got to do. So now you could walk a fame. Everyone sees you walking with the boss. What are you in trouble? If you really think of me like that, then that's an issue that you have at your last job. If I'm not judging you on what happened at my last agent that fell short, don't judge me on the last boss that treated you poorly. If someone is walking off the floor, think they're not being fired. Yeah. They're in the corner with Mickey and I'm going to get you back there so you can win. Yeah. And if you spent the time with me, Casey, you'll know that's what Richard is doing with you. And they know that. And so my friend, those are the, bad habits that I will never do here at Costa Rica's call center. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that is an amazing culture to have. And, you know, I'm glad that we cross paths. It just reinforces so much. And it truly is about the way that you treat people. Yeah, it is. So thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. Awesome. So is there anything else you'd like to share with us today that maybe you thought of but didn't share yet yes ma'am if i have your permission i can kind of unlock what's in my head and give you a real cliff note version on how to make a prospecting phone call if your entrepreneurs and telemarketers would like to hear this oh yeah sure let's do it love it perfect let's put on our thinking caps class let's go into some fun <laughs> all right beautiful I always believe that the average attention span is 30 seconds to two minutes, okay? So I'm very much into micro-expression reading. A lot of people do it face-to-face, -face, but mind you, we're over the phone, so you're eliminating three of your senses, your taste, touch, and smell. The scientists claim, Casey, that if you happen to lose one of your senses, the others expand. So I always believe in active listening, but then people claim you can't see the client. I say quite the contrary. You have metaphysics, you have imagination. You know, a book is 10 times better than a movie. So you should be expanding in your adjectives and your vocabulary. But that's just your set. We make a phone call to a company and somebody picks up the phone. Okay. A lot of people through hedging or just reactions will ask how somebody is doing. No, I think we should use anonymity to our advantage. So what I would be doing is, hey, how's the We Thrive podcast doing today? <laughs> and of course, Casey's doing well and the podcast is doing well. So you have your anonymity just for your first impression. Don't be anonymous the phone call. That's shady. But in the beginning, you can give your first impression by saying the name of your podcast better than Casey does it. So that's number one. So then Casey says to me, okay, what is your name? And that's the first buffer boomerang technique that we have. When somebody asks you a question, I have a, excuse me, a buffer boomerang technique. Or if somebody asks you a question, sometimes their tone could be negative. So what I would like to do is buffer your tone and make it positive. So I'd say, Casey, that's an excellent question. My name is Richard Blank. 
said your name in a positive tone, reinforce it with the question, repeated what you said to show active listening, and then sent it back to you in a positive way. There's positive, there's buffer boomerangs throughout an entire phone call when someone asks you a question and makes a statement. So then let's say that your assistant, okay, and let's say this individual's name is Susan, and I answer her question, and she likes me, and she's willing to transfer the call to you. Prior to that transferred call, Casey, at your consulting group, I'm going to let them know that how amazing that they are when I speak with you. So I'm going to be giving a gift and moving with some momentum. So the call gets transferred to Casey. Casey answers, well, hello, this is Casey with CCC, right? And then I'd say, Casey, I just got to let you know that Susan's the best employee that you have working at your company. So naturally, I'm using my anonymity a second time. You're going to say, oh, thank you. They've been with me for 10 years. Thank you so much. What is your name? And once again, the second buffer boomerang. So I'd say, Casey, that's an excellent question. Once again, my name is Richard Blank. So then we're in a conversation and I'm explaining everything about my company. And usually a lot of the times people like to give laundry lists. We do A, B, C, and D. Guy Casey, I consider that desert pitching. There's no oasis. Where's the timeout? Where's the breath and where's the break? So I think that every point that you make should be almost delivered like a dessert tray where each one gets its own presentation. And you're also gauging reactions for positive and negative reinforcements. And so it's very important for me to be able to pause in between this stuff just to see if there's any sort of agreement to it. And then at the end of my list, I will say, hey, Casey, I'm sure you like at least one. So at least I'm raking it. I'm not brazen enough to think you like all of them. And instead of going to horizontal, now we're doing vertical and I'm stacking what you like with open-ended questions. We're timing out, we're making camp and you're answering your questions. So then we can continue on the call, right? And I'm still learning you for the first time, but every 30 seconds to minutes, something happens. We call it a phonetic micro expression reading. Phonetics is broken down, Casey, into four different ways. You know that you have your tone, rate, pitch, and duration. Your tone represents your emotion. My suggestion would be to be an empathetic and confident tone, which you and I have in abundance. People say, but Richard, we're supposed to mirror image people. Isn't that one of the techniques? It is, but let, let's slow down for a second. Your consistent variable is your tone. That will never change. What I want you to pay attention to is not the semantics, not the word choice the sound. I want to know how fast and how loud somebody is speaking every 30 seconds to two minutes. Why? Because if they do a spike or a dip in any sort of motion, that could be an indicator with someone you're speaking with for the first time to ask them a tie down, pin down, or clarification question. Sounds good, right? Makes sense, right? For my clarification, Casey, was it ABC or one, two, three? But she's saying, Richard, how do I know if that's consistent? Okay. People are capable, Casey, of manipulating their tone, rate, and pitch. You see it all the time. But I believe subconsciously, people have a very difficult time manipulating and answering speed. In my opinion, that's the number one tell sign phonetically. Not what you say. That's semantics. That's not phonetics. Not how loud or how fast or even the tone, the sound of it. No, no, no. It's really the silence. It's the spacing between when you speak. Because on the phone, I can't see you nodding and taking notes and all that good stuff. But no, no, I, I really judge as my insurance policy of the non-manipulation is the answering speed. 
Why do we do this for tie down, confirmation, pin down questions? So we're moving through the body of the call. Things are looking great, but then guess what happens, Casey, since we're working at home, you might have a dog barking in the background, a child in the background, a noise, a distraction. What I like to do is inadvertently and passive aggressively let you know how much I love your dog. I'm gonna say, Casey, I love dogs. And you're like, me too. But here's the perfect active listener. I'm gonna say, Casey, while wow, your dog is barking and killing the call, what is your dog's name? And you're gonna say Fluffy. Fluffy, that's a great name. So obviously, you know, to put Fluffy out, Fluffy's barking, disturbing the call, but not killing the call. So then Casey puts the dog outside, comes back to the call. And then you say, uh, excuse me, what is your name again? Asking me. So glad you asked, Casey. Once again, it's Richard Blank. Now your name dropping me for the rest of the call. It's, it's not me pitching you or positive escalation because of Susan or raking and stacking questions. No, no, no. The time you and I anchor on that call, Casey, is through your dog. And by me asking that follow-up questions, us talking about Fluffy, you asking my name in the body of the call means that I landed it. So then we get to the end of the call. And once again, what I'm going to do is, hey, Casey, since you have me on the phone today, remember A, B, C, or D. Do you have any more questions on anything? Mm -hmm. Next thing you know, you have a question about C. Of course you do. It's Casey. So then we go over <laughs> Casey again. And so I write, you liked A, B, you were, C, you did, D, no. So I, I, I raked it another time, got another stack, but we're still not done. Then I'm going to review your information in a military alphabet, because you know it's the crisp and the best way to do it. But instead of wrapping up and concluding the call, the next thing you know, we're on the phone for another five minutes. Maybe you know someone that served. Maybe you served. Or maybe I'm going to be talking about my uncle in Europe and my dad counterintelligence post-Korea, and we're going over that. And so then I'm still not done. The call finishes. <laughs> and when I'm writing you this, thank you, KCCCC, I had the best time today. You know, I'm going to be writing about Susan as well and giving her a written positive escalation. But we're still not done because when I call Casey back one more time for the Richard circle and Susan answers the phone, she's going to say to me, Richard, I just got to let you know something in 10 years. No one has ever written about this. And, and I can't wait to transfer you again. So <laughs> look at the sort of relationship you and I have prior to a contract. And, uh, you know, it's a one in a thousand that do things like that. And the individual, this gem that works with you that you might call gatekeeper? Absolutely not. This is one that could share your company culture, could let you know about Casey's anniversary or what's going on in your business. And not that maybe they're having a, a, a tough Monday, but here comes Sunshine Richard, making sure that you're having a great day. And those are the sort of relationships that I build. So I wish I could give you a Glen Gary, Glen Ross, boiler room, Wolf of Wall Street clothes. And I could if you want me to on the floor. But that profile is not for every sort of agent that works in a call center, customer support, or telemarketing lead gen. We all don't sell stock. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of the clients are looking for adjustable sort of tones. Yeah. that might represent their company in a certain way. And so when clients work with me, I gauge the level of assertiveness, the size of the list, what I believe would be the soft spot in order for everybody to win on that sort of phone call. And so 
That's my best, my friend. I'm giving you a billion dollar bit of advice right there. And I hope <laughs> when people are making these phone calls that they do do the proper circle and they do active listening and they make sure that I answer your questions and everything's a great question, Casey. And if you do, you're gonna have wonderful conversations. Yes. So replay this podcast as many times as you need to <laughs> write it down. <laughs> yes. Do whatever you need, uh, download it. But yes, those were some awesome nuggets for our listeners. So thank you so much for that. Thank you, Casey, for letting me share. Yeah, absolutely. So how can our listeners reach you? Number one, buy a first class ticket and fly down here. <laughs> That's the first thing you need to do. But if you're not flying down next week, you can also give me a call at 888-271-6750. Shoot me an email at CEO at Costa Rica's callcenter.com. And, and may I make a suggestion? We have an amazing Facebook fan page. About 97,000 local Costa Rican Ticos are there. And, and you get a, a, a pulse on what's happening in business process outsourcing in Costa Rica because we have scalability. We have a democratic society, a 95% literacy rate. We don't have a standing army. And so I've been amazed at the sort of people that have come in here. And, and mind you this, I have people that walk in here with skills, but Casey, my favorite agents are the ones that I can mold that have no experience. Mm -hmm. So we can create them our way. And um, that's how you could reach me. But I, I really thank you for the time with you and your audience and to share these ideas. And one in a million shots pay off and becoming a legend and a leg legacy, it's really more in your own mind. But if you can expand outside your mind and once you're good with you and your legacy's fine and you can start expanding to others so you can promote them to their lifestyle, then you've done the next level in my opinion. I, I have nothing more to prove. The, the only thing I'd like to prove, Casey, is to play better violin for my wife, you know, because I was trying to impress her. I'm just depressing her. So, uh, you know, those are the sort of things I'm going to be working on for myself. So uh, certain well, sort of things I'd like to improve in my life. That is too funny. <laughs> well, so my last, <laughs> <laughs> my last question for you is what is your favorite pinball game? Ooh, uh, the one that I own or the one that I have played? The one that I own is a 1996 NBA fast break from Williams. It's a wonderful machine. I enjoy that the most. But when I was in Arizona, they have this amazing arcade that's in Mesa that's got like over 50 pinball machines. And I was able to play some stuff from the old 70s and the 80s and 90s. And um, no, excuse me, hold on. I got a second one. I got a 1976 Bally's Freedom. That, my, that I bought for my brother as a gift. He just didn't have enough room in his office, so I shipped it to Costa Rica. But um, that's the most beautiful for me. Uh, any of those old machines where it's not too complicated and someone that's playing, like, like my mother-in-law is 84 years old and all she does is hit flippers, which is fine, it's cool. But this game is so easy where it's such an open play field for her that it's it, the targets are much easier. So it's not really the game that I love the most. It's when I have guests over, which ones that they gravitate towards. But I, I got Last Action Hero with Arnold Schwarzenegger. I got Doctor Who. Jurassic Park, which is amazing because in the beginning of the game, it says that this island is a couple of hundred miles off of Costa Rica. So it's oh, really wow. there on the machine. Oh, yeah. I got Hook. 
I got a World Cup machine, um, Street Fighter 2, Jokers, uh, Lethal Weapon 3, Mousing Around, um, Judge Dredd, Space <laughs> Shuttle. <laughs> Listen, when you're married to somebody, you got to choose your battles wisely. Like, my wife can have 99% of battles, but the one thing I am going to die on that hill are my video games. And, and Casey, thank God I got enough room at my office that I can fit them all. But um, <laughs> do you remember in the 80s, the show Silver Spoons with Ricky Schroeder? So I was born in 87, so I don't. <laughs> well, anyway, this young kid was a rich kid and he grew up in a house with all these machines. And so I always wanted my own game room. And, and I didn't want it to be like an Xbox or a PlayStation. I wanted to give someone an experience that they've never had before. And, mm -hmm. and when you listen to Elton John's Pinball Wizard, or if you prefer the Who's version, they're correct on that. With the with the with the flippers and the buttons and the bumpers and the lights and the machine, everyone's like, "Yeah, I played pinball virtually." No, there are. I can mention many things that are better live than on the internet, and one of them is definitely pinball. And so, um, it's just one of those happy mediums, Casey, that I was able to create here. Awesome, I love it. Well, I appreciate your time today. It has been great getting to know you. My cheeks hurt from smiling so much. We had so much fun. This is the best. Triple C. All right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so thank you again. And um, I would like to also thank our music sponsor, Stephen Lamar Moore, who created the music for our podcast. So thank you again, Richard. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Casey. You're welcome.